We have entered a brand new year, and it is a brand new slate here on Blabbit in the Bluegrass. I am so glad I didn't run you off back in the fall, because we've got plenty more fun and excitement in store for you during these winter and spring months, and I would not want you to miss a second of it. We're going to kick off 2021 in style with an entire show dedicated to the Corvette City. That's right. We'll be speaking with Beth Knopfsinger. She is the Communications Director from the Bowling Green Area Convention and Visitors Bureau. And she's going to give us the scoop on the seemingly endless options for things to do when we're visiting good old BG. From a minor league baseball team to an underground cave boat tour, magnificent museums, historic walking tours, the list just goes on and on and on. It'll be an action-packed, info-packed show, so put your feet up, get you something hot to sip on, and get ready to take in Blabbing in the Bluegrass, Episode 1 of 2021. Kentucky features so much more than basketball and horses. We're home to scenic spectacles and one-of-a-kind golf courses. If boating, fishing, dining, or music is your pleasure, we'll guide you to the sights and sounds that you will truly treasure. Cause we're blabbing, blabbing in the bluegrass. There's nothing here to hide, cause we're saying it with pride. Just a blabbing, blabbing in the bluegrass. With knowledge of the state, you're sure to appreciate. Yes, we're blabbing, blabbing in the bluegrass. Where musicians furnish talent and great whiskey cools your palate. Just a blabbing, blabbing in the bluegrass. With a fit for every taste, precious time is not to waste. From Mount Vernon to Mount Sterling, Russellville to Russell Springs, we've got you covered on Blabbit in the Bluegrass, exploration and celebration of all things Kentucky. Happy 2021, guys and gals. Sam Moore once again coming at you from the truly magnificent North Quail Motel in beautiful Henderson, KY. And I could not be more excited about kicking off a new year with new shows. And I couldn't think of a better way to do it than by speaking with Beth Knopfsinger from the Bowling Green Area Convention and Visitors Bureau. Now, folks, as you know, I normally feature two guests per episode, but Bowling Green is literally oozing with things to do and places to go, so much so that I decided Beth shouldn't have to share the show with anybody else. And I tell you, Bowling Green has recently become the third largest city in the Commonwealth. Of course, a lot of people know it as a college town from Western Kentucky University. In fact, it's my former college town. But there's so much more to it than that. And Bowling Green has enjoyed a tremendous amount of diversity in recent years, a tremendous amount of growth and expansion. And Beth's going to tell us all about that and explain why... Bowling Green should be our next vacation destination. And with the start of a new year, I am more open now than ever to new ideas, suggestions for future guests. Anything you've got on your mind, lay it on me, okay? The email address is bluegrassblabbing at gmail.com, B-L-U-E-G-R-A-S-S-B-L-A-B-B-I-N at gmail.com. I also strongly encourage you to check out the Blabbing in the Bluegrass Facebook page, just search Blabbing in the Bluegrass on FB. It'll take you straight to us. You can listen to previous episodes that way. You can stay up to date with new information as it is presented. And you can also make comments, leave messages. And I would love dearly to hear from you via one of those outlets, okay? 
And before we get to Beth, who is anxiously awaiting to tell us all about the Corvette City, I have 2021's very first Bluegrass Brain Buster. For those of you that are new to the program, welcome aboard first off. And we do this at the beginning of each and every program. So we'll give you the question now, give you some time to ponder it, think about it, and we will give you the answer in the final segment of the show. So... Here is yet another Bluegrass Brain Buster. So, with the extensive tradition of the University of Kentucky basketball program and its eight national titles, many forget that the UK Wildcats also have one national title to their credit in college football. Yep, believe it or not, with all the stinky football teams that Big Blue Nation has endured, we do have one national title college football team. And so this is a two-parter. Number one, in what year did the University of Kentucky win the national title in college football? And part two, who was the coach leading this national title team? So what year did the UK Wildcats win the national college football title? And who was the legendary coach who led them on this tremendous title run? So, you be thinking about that, get the juices flowing, and we will reveal the answer at the conclusion of today's program. Good luck. Sam Moore now presents his Blabbing in the Bluegrass Community Connection. In this week's Community Connection, we're featuring a city that's uh, near and dear to my heart. In fact, I call it my second hometown because I spent a combined six years in Bowling Green as a student at Western between my undergrad and graduate school. Of course, it's the county seat of Warren County, and it's now the third largest city in Kentucky, isn't it, Beth? It is. That's what I thought. Okay, I knew it had surpassed yeah. Owensboro, and I thought that made it the third. So plenty to offer. Bowling Green is just oozing with excitement. So let's put our hands together for the communications director with the Bowling Green Area Convention and Visitors Bureau, Beth Knopfsinger. Hey. Oh, thanks, Sam. I appreciate the applause. Yeah, massive audience in here, as you can tell. <laughs> but, uh, you know, there is no pressure on you whatsoever, Beth, because you are my very first guest in 2021. I'm really excited to kick off this new year and get to tell you and your listeners all about the great things you can do in Bowling Green. So I, I appreciate you having me on. Yes, we'll talk about all that you know and some of what I know because I'm sure you know more, but we'll we'll compare notes and, <laughs> yeah, and we'll, uh, <laughs> that'll make for some uh, insightful discussion. Now, uh, how long have you been with Bowling Green Area Convention Visitors Bureau? Uh, it was three years last September, and then, of course, I'm also a WKU alum. I graduated from there in 2006, so um, you know, I've go always tops. loved Bowling Green. Yes, I always love the toppers, so it's a, been really cool to see uh, WKU evolve over the last, you know, 14 years since I graduated. It's an absolutely beautiful campus. If anybody's out there college hunting or college hunting with their kids, make sure you check out WKU. Your college hunting will stop on the hill. <laughs> oh, I loved it there. It's, it, it, you know, it, that's one of the great things about Bowling Green is we have a bit of that college town vibe, but then we also have so many of the amenities you've come to experience, uh, you know, expect in a larger city. Right. Um, and at the same time, I feel like we're also just conveniently located. So um, you know, if you're wanting some of those true big city amenities, we're you know, just an hour north of Nashville and just an hour and a half or so from Louisville. So it's really just such a great location in the state. Sure. It's a great so place to also start a road trip from. Exactly, with Interstate 65 going north and south. But uh, <laughs> exactly, and now we're also on 
the Natural Parkway is no more. It's now I-165. So oh, you know, yeah. go on and head a road trip up to Owensboro from here too. So we're really, uh, you know, in tourism in the state, we, we love for people to come and visit our destinations. So we love promoting all of what Kentucky has to offer as well. Absolutely. Yeah, it'll always be the nature to me. I'm going to have to somehow train myself to call it 165. But anyway, yes, that's another important link from Bowling Grade. Now, I know. Uh, now, you've spent a number of years, uh, as we briefly touched on here uh, in Bowling Green, as a student at Western Kentucky University and through your role as a communications director with the Bowling Green Area CVB. So, uh, during this time frame, Beth, what aspects of life in the community have you embraced and enjoyed most of all? Well, I've just really found it to be just a really welcoming community. Um, and I really have uh, just like come to embrace just what a great tourism destination uh, we are as well. Because when I was at Western, you kind of become so insulated as a college student and, you know, you know, what's on the hill, kind of what's a walking distance from the hill. Right. Uh, but so much of your day-to-day -day life is insulated there and, uh, you know, as I grew up, got older, and uh, you just learn more about the area. It's just, you know, Bowling Green's a great place for a family uh, vacation. It's a great place to have, um, you know, a bachelor, bachelorette party when people are more comfortable traveling that way again. Um, and then just as far as living here, it's just so welcoming. There's uh, so many great amenities here. There's a lot of great restaurants. There's a lot of great job opportunities as well for folks. So I think it's just an incredibly welcoming community, and it really a lot of times has a little bit of a small town feel, but the big city or the bigger city amenities that you want, like great locally, you know, not just great dining, but great locally owned dining, great places to shop. We have a lot of great locally owned shops. Um, and then the hospitality community itself here is just so welcoming. So it's really been a great place to live, a great place to work. And I love promoting all of the things you can do in Bowling Green. Right. I noticed that too when I was at Weston. You know, you sort of get the mix of the big city life and the small town life all right there. <laughs> Yeah. So no, I, I absolutely love it here. It, it, it's great. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. Now, uh, although Bowling Green has uh, enjoyed tremendous growth and expansion in recent years, it is clearly a community that takes great pride in its historic roots. And after all, it was the first of two cities in the Commonwealth to be named a dozen distinctive destination by the National Trust for historic preservation. Now, I know this predates your time with the uh, Conviction yes. Visitors Bureau, but uh, we'll, <laughs> we'll pry out of you what you know. So talk to <laughs> us a little bit about this uh, designation and uh, explain a little bit about how Bowling Green received this honorable mention. This is a great designation that our community received in 2006 from a lot of hard work from, you know, um, you know, different community leaders, uh, you know, the Daily News, our local newspaper reported a lot on it. And uh, what helped us stand apart, according to the Daily News, uh, when they, they were interviewing some folks that are involved with the National, uh, the National Trust, is that we already at that time had 60 sites on the National Register of Historic Places. Um, and to win this type of designation, um, cities must uh, show proof of a cross-section of the community is firmly behind preservation efforts and will make use of its rescued and renovated historic resources. And you can really see examples of this all around the city for, uh, I know we're gonna talk about this a little bit more, but like Riverview at Hobson Grove, um, oh, yeah. which is a wonderful, wonderful site in town. Uh, the city in the late or in the in the late sixties really came nineteen sixties came together to help um, restore that mansion to its former glory um, and it's a great place to tour. Um, you know we've won awards because of uh, down at our Circus Square Park that's uh, you just down in downtown Bowling Green. Um, 
there is a restored uh, standard oil station. It used to be a gas station, of course. And mm -hmm. now that has been uh, repurposed as actually a restroom facility that's perfect for when we have um, you know, concerts in the park down at uh, Circus Square Park. Um, we've had harvest festivals downtown. So, I mean, it's, um, you know, we're, we have used, utilized some of these buildings. Uh, we, you know, they have been restored and repurposed. And I think that's really cool. And then also there's just a lot of just great history uh, in Bowling Green, a lot of interesting history. I mean, like Fountain Square Park, um, the buildings around Fountain Square Park were all built right around the Civil War era. So there's just a lot of historic sites uh, in Bowling Green itself too. So I think that you know, that made it appealing um, to the judges that you, you know, there were just so many different historic sites in and around Bowling Green and Warren County. Right. It's definitely a community that takes pride in its history. And that is definitely demonstrated in um, all the attractions. For instance, we, oh, I'm sorry. Go oh, ahead. I was sorry. I was just going to say, too, is we also uh, do have some uh, self-guided walking tours folks can do and explore like the College Heights District downtown, which is just adjacent to WKU's campus, where you can see a lot of the, the homes that were built in the late 1800s and early 1900s. Um, we have a walking tour for the Shake Rag District, which is our um, historic African-American community, and a, a lot about the architecture and the historic buildings there, and uh, you know, the buildings that made it, you have been a big impact in the African-American community. Um, so we have uh, some different historic tours and historic sites people can also uh, learn about on our website. Sweet. So when the weather warms up, it'll be just ideal for all of these exactly. great tours. And you can uh, yes. <laughs> enlighten yourself on the uh, history of the community and all that uh, it has to offer with the historic homes and buildings through all of the, uh, the great walking tours. And speaking of historic homes, Beth, there is no better place to uh, enhance our knowledge of Bowling Green's Civil War significance than the legendary landmark you've just mentioned known as Riverview at Hobson Grove. So why don't you expand a little more about this uh, historic house overlooking the Barren River and describe how its features and guided tours reflect uh, life in the community during this era. Sure. Uh, Riverview at Hobson Grove uh, was built by Atwood and Juliet Van Meter Hobson. It's on a hill overlooking the Barren River just off Main Street, about a little bit more than a mile from our, you know, the heart of our downtown district. And it is on the National Register. Um, and this was, it's an official site on the Civil War Discovery Trail. And the house was actually used for storage for uh, Confederate munitions when the rebel forces held the held Bowling Green. Uh, Riverview's owner, uh, Atwood Hobson, he was actually a staunch uh, unionist, but uh, he asked the, the, the soldiers that were stationed there if they would spare his property, which at that time really wasn't a whole lot built yet, but the basement and the foundation had been built. Right. So, um, you know, it, they kind of had come to an agreement that you can store some stuff here if you don't destroy my property. So it was actually not until 18, uh, the end of 1871 before the house was actually ready for it to be occupied by the Hobson family. And they moved into it in 1872. And so for then for about 80 years after that, three generations of the family resided at that property. Um, and like I said, in the late 60s, I believe is when this really, uh, there was a real restoration effort that was started um, by, you know, by, by local officials. And uh, they did a magnificent job restoring it to its glory of really interpreting what, you know, how the Victorian upper class lived in Bowling Green. So really much of when you actually tour the facility, the history of the museum is a lot more rooted in uh, the Victorian era than the Civil War itself. Now, Bowling oh, Green, gotcha. um, there were no, there weren't any major battles um, in Bowling Green during the Civil War, uh, but the different times uh, it was occupied by both the Union and the Confederacy. So, um, 
there are actually eight forts around the city that they're all like land forts. You can't go, you, you don't go and see like big structures or anything like that, but there are about eight hills in Warren County that, that uh, were used during the civil war. Um, but, um, but Riverview is just a phenomenal property. They have um, absolutely stunning gardens there as well. Um, so uh, it's actually a very popular place for people to do uh, family photos outside. Um, it's just stunning out there. Um, and they're open for tours from March through December. They do close down for a couple months during, a, uh, during the winter. Uh, but it's, it's a phenomenal place to visit. Um, they have a, a lovely gift shop there. They also have a little bit of meeting space and people have had active, you know, you can even, um, they've done um, etiquette court. You know, people, they, they'll do like etiquette classes down there, wedding showers, baby showers. Um, so it's really, it's also a great you know, place that you can, um, you know, kind of support through those kind of, uh, you know, rentals as well. Uh, sure. But it, it, it's an absolutely beautiful facility. And it's definitely anybody who loves history and historic homes will love touring Riverview at Hobson Grove. Absolutely. And they've got specially themed tours several times a year too, don't they? I, they do. Um, I think the most popular is the candlelight tour during the holidays. Um, mm. And they, they, they'll sometimes do events where you have the docents dressed up in period costume. And I know they're, uh, you know, it's going to be a, a a big year in 18 or and sorry in 2022 uh celebrating the 50th anniversary of the uh, you know, of the home reopening as a uh, museum so it's really oh, uh, it's just a you know it's a beautiful place to visit um it's so, just such a pretty view up on the top of that hill and um the like i said it, it's great to come in the spring and summer because you have the beautiful gardens there but right. it's also uh, you know of course in fall with the foliage it's pretty and it's also over there, too, is one of our many disc golf courses in town, which I know isn't exactly history, but um, just disc golf's really popular here. And they have a great, um, a great disc golf course at uh, Riverview at Hobson Grove's property. That's a Hobson Grove Park, which is a city park. So that's also, um, you know, if you like disc golf and history, you can kind of get a two for one by going out there some afternoon. Right. Kill two birds with one stone. Exactly. The disc golf course and uh, Riverview at Hobson Grove. <laughs> So, exactly. <laughs> I've got a couple of friends that are big golfers and they would, uh, they would love the heck out of that. So I hope they're listening. Now, um, prior to the days of Interstate 65, Beth, travelers frequently arrived in the Corvette City via the LNN Passenger Depot, which is now the site of the Historic Rail Park and Train Museum. In fact, this storied community staple has earned a certificate of excellence from TripAdvisor, thanks to rave reviews from valued guests. So, Miss Knopfsinger, explain how patrons can explore Bowling Green's extensive history of train traffic by visiting the Rail Park and Train Museum. The Historic Rail Park and Train Museum is just a phenomenal attraction. Um, the, uh, now, the LNN Depot itself was constructed in 1925. It's a beautiful Art Deco building that it also um, is a great site for um, you know, people have different banquets there, wedding receptions. It's gorgeous for photos there. Um, but so inside the LNN Depot is the museum itself where um, they have a lot of great ex exhibits, including uh, the African-American experience during segregation, the Civil War and the Railroad the business of the railroad and then they just opened a new women in railroading exhibit that's really neat and several of these uh exhibits they also uh built in um you know in conjunction with uh, some wku marketing classes who helped them with the design of the exhibit so it's really cool the way that um you know, they've been able to work with wku on some of these um and then also at the rail park are um uh, one of the region's largest uh 
model railroad displays, um, which they have a couple of train shows a year. If you love model trains, you should really follow the uh, Historic Rail Park and Train Museum on Facebook or check out our uh, website because we have an events calendar because they do a great uh, train shows there. And then the rail sure. park also has some restored cars on display uh, that, that you uh, can tour with a tour guide. And that includes uh, an E8, EA8 diesel locomotive, a 1911 LNN presidential office car, a 1949 Pullman dining car, a 1953 luxury Pullman sleeper, and a 1921 post office car. So oh, it's a uh, real, yeah, so it's really neat. And like I said, they do guided tours of the train itself. Um, I think the mail car is really cool, um, the post office car, to see how these uh, post office workers they'd get to a city and throw one bag of mail out and how they'd hook up and pick up another bag of mail to take on with them. Um, but it's really, and to see also kind of the ingenuity behind the train cars themselves. And um, you, you really can see the, um, you know, the different things they could do with them, particularly with like the dining car and being able to see what the chefs were working with um, and the kind of space they're working with to put out really top-notch meals for their passengers. Um, it's really neat. And now I do like to let people know this is a static display. They don't do train rides like some, you know, like like there are some train rides in the state, but it's a really great historic tour. It's I can great see a bunch of little kids ages. frowning all of a sudden. <laughs> <laughs> no, but they're still, so, still going to have fun learning and getting to have their picture made on the trains. So, sure, yeah. And, and the rail park throughout, the, yeah, the, throughout the year too, they do some great, um, they do some great events out at, um, out at, um, the rail park and of course you know in normal times as i like to say for some of this stuff that they've uh, had to put on the back burner uh this year but they they do a great polar express uh where you go and read the story and you get to see saint on the train and um oh, they do brunch with a bunny out there so they're they, they do a lot of great great events and really so many of our attractions it's always good to keep an eye out on because they do a lot of great events throughout the year in normal times so we're hoping things get back to normal sooner rather than later Anything that involves the Polar Express is always good family fun. So. Exactly. <laughs> Put that also, on your calendar. Yeah. Go ahead. Well, and also speaking of kids, they do have some great model trains and toys and collectibles too at the rail park uh, in their gift shop. So that's another great way to support a, you know, a local nonprofit attraction. And that's what too is great in Bowling Green is so many of our attractions are, are, are nonprofits. So you're really hoping to support the mission of that organization when you're um and the preservation of various types of history when you visit Bowling Green attractions. Absolutely. So support the museum and get you a souvenir to take home. Exactly. <laughs> all and in and one. all the museums. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. So not just that museum, all of them. Get, exactly. You know, get you a little memento and uh, come back and see them again. Now, uh, some people may not realize that the city of Bowling Green has given birth to each and every Corvette model since 1981. That's the year my parents got married, so that was a big <laughs> year for them. But it was. Uh, anyway, this uh, impressive uh, history is admirably showcased at the world-famous National Corvette Museum. Now, what in your mind, Beth, has made the Corvette Museum a consistent fan favorite among travelers from across the nation and around the globe? I mean, it just helps when you have this incredible car to, you know, celebrate. I mean, the National Corvette Museum, uh, their staff does a wonderful job of, uh, you know, promoting um, and encouraging people to learn more about Corvettes and this great American car. Um, so you really get to learn a lot about the history of Corvette when you do visit the Corvette Museum. Mm -hmm. uh, they have usually between 70, 80, 70 and 80 Corvettes on display at any given time, including um, 
the Corvettes that were eaten by the sinkhole in 2014. I mean, that- uh, I was in grad school. I, think, I remember it well. Yeah. Well, I said, I think Corvette enthusiasts, of course, for years have seen, um, you know, the Corvette Museum has been a wonderful place to visit. Um, but when the sinkhole happened and that became international news, that just put the Corvette Museum on the map to maybe sure. people who aren't car enthusiasts. And quite frankly, you do not have to be a car enthusiast to appreciate and like just be awed by the Corvette Museum because it is really cool to see these cars up, up close and in person. But oh, there's sure. a great exhibit that they've had several exhibits open in 2020. Um, so there's always something new to see out there. Um, you know, uh, like I said, in the, the, the Sky Dome itself, which is where the sinkhole happened, um, you can see they were able to restore three of the eight Corvettes that uh, went in the sinkhole, but the other five that are, you know, that were destroyed are on display. Um, so it's really kind of an incredible geology um, exhibit there, as well as just getting to learn about, about the Corvette. And um, it is this great, uh, great Corvette heritage that we have in Bowling Green. Um, like you said, it's the only place in the world where Corvettes are um, are, are, are built. Um, and another thing that's great too is the uh, National Corvette Museum's Motor Sports Park, which is uh, about a mile from the museum. Um, oh, they wow. have a wonderful, yeah, they have a wonderful cart, the go-kart go track out there called the Cartplex, which is open from March through like late November normally, um, which that's fun for uh, you know, people basically seven and older. Um, they have great go-karts out there. Um, so that's a great, you know, great kind of put on your mind for, um, for like spring break or summer vacation. Yeah. And then there's also the actual motorsports track itself is a 3.2 mile road course. So mm. there are different like racing events out there throughout the year that people run out the motorsports park for, as well as there are various, um, you know, you can actually drive a Corvette on the motorsports park track. Um, you know, if you're really, you know, if there's somebody who's been really nice to you that you really want to give a great gift to, or if you want to have just a really cool experience with your friends coming out and uh, signing up for a, a Corvette experience or uh, doing some touring laps um, is really cool. Now, Corvette experience is actually more of like a driving school experience. And uh -huh. um, there's also different price points where if you don't want to drive a Corvette, one of their Corvettes, um, you can actually take your own vehicle out there too. Um, you know, they've had everything from um, you know, minivans and hybrid cars to so the Oscar Mayer Wiener Mobile was out there last year. So it's really, um, it's <laughs> quite really a bit of neat, diversity you know. there. Yeah, exactly. So, um, and they, they have a couple, um, I know there's a group they work with too that brings in luxury import cars that, um, you know, that, that the real motorsports enthusiasts will enjoy too. So, um, yeah, they do a really good job between the Corvette Museum and then their motorsports park of celebrating all things Corvette and really letting you then experience what it's like to drive a Corvette, Absolutely. which is a lot of fun. Corvettes <laughs> are great. <laughs> I, I second that. Corvettes are great. <laughs> and people can also feast their eyes on the, uh, Corvette's assembly plant too, correct? Yes, that is, uh, well, the, they don't have plant tours going on right now. That's actually been um, been uh, closed for a few years between, um, they did a great expansion out there that expanded their paint shop. And then the new, uh, the newest generation Corvette, the C8 Corvette came out in 2020. Right. So with all the kind of the pride port, uh, with all the, uh, just, you know, getting that up and running, um, Sure. That they weren't doing tours then, and then COVID hit. So we're hoping that as the you know that that in the coming months uh, that they'll be able to reopen the plant to tours. So that that should be on your long term to do lists. But that won't like that that those that's not open for tours right now. But it's still um, you know even if you can't go to the plant when you're coming to town, uh, there's still so much to see at the Corvette Museum. Um, Absolutely. They, uh, it's just great. And the sports park. So keep, uh, you know, keep in mind the assembly plant when you're in Bowling Green. Put it on your bucket list, and maybe next time you go, they'll be uh, 
ready exactly. for your visit. <laughs> now, um, <laughs> in addition to the magnificent museums found within the community, Bowling Green also offers notable opportunities for outdoor adventure. For instance, many of you probably didn't know this, the Commonwealth's only underground cave boat tour is found at Bowling Green's one-of-a-kind Lost River Cave. So Beth, why don't you give us an overview of the many attractions to see, explore, and experience on a visit to Lost River Cave? Well, Lost River Cave is absolutely phenomenal. It is, um, it's just kind of, to me, almost like an oasis in the middle of, of the city. It's just about, um, I don't know, maybe 10 minutes from downtown, depending on how much traffic you hit, but it's right in the heart of the, you know, right in the, still in the city limits. Uh, and they have um, just acres of hiking out there while they have some great, really I should say walking trails. Um, they have a great nature explorer classroom that's great for kids. And then they have the cave itself, which is actually the lowest point for about 50 miles um, down at the mouth of the cave. And there's Good. just really a lot of fascinating history at Lost River Cave, both um, uh, like both the geological and and just man-made history. Um, so more geology. Tour, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you, I mean, you 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 get to understand how a sinkhole might have opened up in, in uh, Bowling Green when you experience Lost River Cave, because that oh. is just the. It's called karst topography, and there is a lot. There are just a lot of cave systems in this part of Kentucky. Um, but the boat tour itself, um, you you learn about. Um, all kinds of, I, I hate to give away too much because I don't want to ruin anybody's Yeah, we don't want to spoil there, it, do we? <laughs> but, but there is definitely some Civil War experience, uh, Civil War history there, prehistoric history, of course. And then also, um, what's really neat about it is it's also was the site of a nightclub from the 30s to the 60s. Oh, um, interesting. They, yeah, they like to advertise that it was at that time the only air-conditioned nightclub in the country because a cave is about between 53 and 57 degrees year round. So it was always cool there. Sure. So it's just, it's, it, and there again, they're another, one um, like the Corvette Museum too, they're a great non-for-profit attraction. Their real, their mission is, you know, really promoting the, uh, the nature education. Um, right. So when you support Lost River Cave, you're also helping support kids learning and getting back into nature. Um, and like I said, I love going out there just to go walking on the trails. Um, they have these really cool, they're called blue holes out there that feed, this, you know, some feed the cave that just really unusual water features. Um, it's just a, a great place to explore. And they have a wonderful, if you're into photography, they have a wonderful mural out there. That's a great, very Instagramable spot to go get your, uh, get yourself, your picture taken with their butterfly wings. So it's, it's go. just, it's just such a great place to visit. And the the trails themselves are free, um, so you can, if you're in town and don't have time for a tour, but just need to get out and stretch your legs for a little bit, it's a great place to go walk or take a picnic lunch. There you go. Get some exercise and take in the scenery. Something, exactly. <laughs> something for everybody at Lost River Cave. Now, um, speaking of nature, if you're a sucker for scenic natural beauty, you folks will feel right at home at Bowling Green's very own Baker Arboretum. So, tell us... Beth, a little bit about the Arboretum, if you would, and explain why it is truly a nature lover's paradise. The, the Baker Arboretum is absolutely stunning. It is um, really just on the outskirts. Another one that's just, this one's more on the outskirts of the city where Lost River Cave is, you know, you know, in, in the city itself. But uh, right. it's up on a, you know, it's the Arboretum itself is up on a bluff and it's just this beautiful wooded area. Um, that their collection at the Arboretum features uh, conifers, Asian maples, flowering trees and shrubs. 
There's art and sculpture throughout. Um, they have over 600 species and 1,200 varieties of cultivars. Um, so the Baker Arboretum explores the vast palette of plants that can grow in Western Kentucky. It's just stunning out there. It's a very peaceful place to go and visit. And it has some of the prettiest views I think you can find actually you know, that close to the city itself. Because mm -hmm. again, it's, you know, uh, it, it's not that far out of town at all. And it's also a lot of WKU, uh, I think biology and um, like horticulture students, you know, do some um, research out there. And it's just, it's a stunning place to visit year round. Um, but it, particularly, of course, in the spring and the fall, it just comes alive. So, I mean, uh, again, it's another place that during the winter, if you're out exploring, it's a great place to, to walk and explore and stretch your legs. So you're going to really see those colors come to life in the spring and summer. And what's also great at um, the Baker Arboretum is also the Downing Museum, which uh, uh -huh. the Downing Museum, the Downing Museum uh, features the works of a world-renowned artist named Joe Downing. Now, WKU uh, alumni might recognize that Downing last name. Joe Downing uh, was the brother of Dero Downing, for whom the Downing Student Union is named. Um, so he, uh, he lived in France after World War II and uh, just did incredible arts. So it's also um, another place that's always great to go visit the Downing Museum when you're at the Baker Arboretum. It's, they have some phenomenal artwork there because they usually have rotating um, displays uh, by other artists as well as the work of Joe Downing. So it's really cool. Absolutely. Downing Student Union was called Duck when you and I went through. So <laughs> yes, I was really proud of myself for getting the name right just then. <laughs> I know. I, I have to second, <laughs> second uh, guess myself sometimes whenever I try to tell people what the, what the name of it is now. But yes, Mr. Downing was quite talented and you can see his artwork and uh, also cherish the uh, the scenery at the Arboretum. I'm sure a lot of those WKU students find themselves lurking around there anyway, just for the for the views, even when they're not yeah. doing research. I really, and that's just a hidden gem. We're out at the Baker Arboretum in, in the Downing Museum. That's one of those we always like to make sure visitors know about because it's a little bit off the beaten path from some of the other attractions, but it's certainly worth a, a visit when you're in town. Yeah, it's uh, tends to tends to be off the radar of a lot of the tourists unless they're listening to us here on blabbing in the bluegrass yeah. so <laughs> we'll make sure our folks know about it now exactly uh, of course we can't possibly talk about bowling green uh without discussing the often imitated but never duplicated beach bend park and splash lagoon now uh the uh, timing may be a little off for that right now, but it's never too early to start thinking ahead to those coasters in spring and summer. So uh, tell us about the uh, thrills and chills at Beach Bend Park and Splash Lagoon and tell us why it is fun for the whole family, as their <laughs> commercial says. Uh, oh, Beach Bend is just phenomenal. It's really, it's a great facility out there. There has been some type of family entertainment happening out at Beach Bend since 1898. So it's a really, another historic site in Bowling Green. Uh, I think really though, what, what uh, it's a lot of people know it for now is the Kentucky, the Kentucky Rumbler and then it's a great water park. And of course, there's so much more to the amusement park too than the Kentucky Rumbler. But that oh, roller yeah. coaster wins awards year after year. It's been named one of the top 50 wind roller coasters in the world not in the country, in the world by Amusement Today multiple times. Um, and they have great shows out there, great food. I mean, uh, and then the water park, um, they have a, just a, such a good variety of, of slides and pools and water, uh, water rides for, for kids and, and adults of all ages. They actually, they're Cyclone Saucers, uh, which is part of a uh, four slide complex that opened in 2016. It was named one of the 
top three best new water rides by Amusement Today in 2016. Um, so it's really an award-winning, a family-friendly attraction. Um, I mean, the water park, um, what I really liked about the water park is that it has a great area for the little kids. Um, yeah, like your three-year-old. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, where they have, you know, you know, smaller water slides and sprinklers and all that kind of good stuff. And then you have these great massive water slides that, you know, you'll still love as an adult. And then the amusement park itself, I mean, they just have so many great rides. Um, and it's just a well-maintained, a very friendly atmosphere out there. The 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 uh, the, the folks that operate uh, Beach Bend are great. And then also, actually, out of Beach Bend is also the famous uh, uh, Beach Bend Raceway Park, which is one of the oldest operated um, drag stri uh, drag strips and oval tracks in the nation. So throughout the March through November, there's also a lot of racing events happening out at Beach Bend Raceway Park. So it's uh, if you if, if you love motorsports and drag racing you can really plan a trip during the summer to come out for a great event at the racetrack and then also spend some time at the water park or at the amusement park and the water park as well. So it's, yeah. it's wonderful over at Beach Bend. Just take it all in. Now, Beth, are you a coaster fanatic? I was when I was younger. I don't do them as much as I used to, but I mean, that's what I think is great about the Kentucky Rumbler. It's like, it's a good size. I love a wooden roller coaster. There aren't too many loops. Um, but they, they have just a lot of really fun rides out there. Um, and the other thing, too, is they sell season tickets. And that's like a lot of amusement parks. So if you buy a season ticket and go twice, you've already paid for yourself. You know what I mean? Like, so right. it's, if you think you might, if you live close to Bowling Green and might come more than once, then I would recommend checking out their, um, their uh, season passes as well. Um, and come, come down here a few times this summer. And then you can, you know, come down once and go to, you know, Beach Bend for part of the day and go to the Corvette Museum, then come back another day and check out Lost River Cave and go again. So um, yeah. it's really, a, it's a fun place to visit. Um, yeah, I'm more, I feel like I do more on the water park side, uh, but that keeps me less a Disney personally. But if you uh, like, if you just like a good amusement park ride, you're going to have a good time at Beach Bend. Yeah, anybody, regardless of your taste. And plus they have free parking and sunscreen, right? Exactly. So, you, and that's really nice to not have to worry about uh, paying to park and it's, you know, it, 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 it's a great attraction. I really enjoy, uh, I've enjoyed visiting there before. See, there you go. When you, when you live there, like you do, I'm sure it's tempting to go almost every day when they're open. I, I mean, I, that's a, that water park in particular, when it's really hot out, it's kind of nice just to go get in the lazy river and then just float around. Yeah. Um, you know, they have a wave pool. That's a lot of fun. And they actually have just a normal pool too, that a lot of kids like they have some lily pads that you can climb across. But, um, I think what's great about Beach Bend is there is something there for all thrill levels. So whether you just want something a little bit more low-key like the Lazy River or you're a coaster fan, you're going to have fun out there. Right. Or if you want something in the middle, there's that too. So Exactly. <laughs> you know. yeah, I guess that's the wave pool. That'll be in the middle of the thrills. <laughs> right. Yeah. The wave pool is sort of a happy medium there. So <laughs> check out Beach Bend. You won't be disappointed. Now, uh, while you're busy taking in the... Um, Noteworthy attractions in Bowling Green. You owe it to yourself, people, to relax and replenish with the community's delectable dining delights. Now, I know from having been a student at Western for all those years that there are more than a ton of restaurants in Bowling Green. <laughs> if you can't find something you like, that's your own fault. But anyway, uh, Beth, why don't you give us a summary of the local restaurant scene and tell us about the splendid menu sensations available to savor and devour. I mean, there's just so many restaurants to choose from in Bowling Green and so many locally owned restaurants. I think 
people, there, there's always been this rumor that we have the most restaurants per capita. And I don't, you know, I don't know that that's true. I think it's, you just see, because you see so many restaurants kind of on, yeah, the, on close, the main stretches right. in town. But we have an absolutely phenomenal local restaurant scene too. Not that there's anything wrong with chain restaurants too, because they're, they're great too, but our, just our local chefs take such pride um, in the food they create here. So many of the locally owned restaurants too take pride in being Kentucky proud restaurants or being as Kentucky proud as possible as far as getting their meats from Kentucky, you know, Kentucky vendors and getting produce from local farms. Um, so uh, I recommend people to just check out our website, visit bgky.com and check out the restaurant page there. That has some of the highlights of some of the best restaurants, um, you know, especially locally owned restaurants that are in town. And it's certainly not all of them, but there's a lot of great restaurants to choose from here. Um, a great variety. Um, I mean, I just, it's hard and it, you know, it's hard to pick a favorite um, because there are just so many to choose from. Now there's a lot of great restaurants down around Fountain Square Park and that that's always a handy area to go and eat just because then you can walk off your meal by walking up to WKU's campus or walking around the park. And there's also, um, several of the restaurants now have food trucks and we've also had several food trucks that now have brick and mortar restaurants that have opened in the last couple of years so i mean so whether you're looking for fine dining or barbecue um you know there's great asian and mexican restaurants in town there's just a wide variety of uh, different foods available to you in bowling green i really think people are impressed with the diversity of restaurants you can find in bowling green uh, for a community our size Oh, yeah, I agree. Most definitely. And uh, on the very first episode of Blabbing in the Bluegrass, Beth, I actually interviewed uh, Carl Chaney from Chaney's Dairy Barn. Oh, he's great. Chaney's, that's another great place to visit. If you love ice cream and family fun, um, and they have a great, I mean, um, a great grill there, too. So you can get a great, I really like their burger and fries, and then get a scoop of ice cream and see the, see the robot milker afterwards. It's a, it's a great place to visit. Oh, yeah, the robot milkers, one of the few in the state. And then, of course, they offer the, the farm tours and what yeah. have you. So and it's a, and it's they great. make their own milk now, which is really cool, uh, besides the ice cream. So, I mean, I love, too, that we have a good uh, variety of some uh, agritourism in Bowling Green, as well as kind of what we've already hit on with some of, you know, uh, people know us for the Corvette Museum or Lost River Cave or the Rail Park already. But there's a lot of great agritourism in and around Warren County as well. Now, one of my personal favorites, too, is uh, Mariah's. And that's a classic uh, Bowling Green restaurant. Um, you know, people, I mean, people have just been going there for years. They've been, I think they've been open more than 30 years now. So I think that, that's been a staple downtown. Yeah, it's an oldie but a goodie, so. <laughs> yeah, and, and, Chain, and Chaney's makes their galaxy pie from Mariah's. So it's I always, that's what I think is really cool about Bowling Green, too. When you go to Bowling Green restaurants, you'll find a lot of times that they're using, like there's a lot of restaurants who uh, use Chaney's milk or, um, you know, sure. they, they get their produce from a local farm. I really like seeing, um, or, you know, or there's a, uh, a local, um, there's a Blue Holler Brew Supplies that's a local uh, microbrewery um, and, and beer supply making shop that some of their beers are available to buy at local restaurants. So, I mean, I think I love seeing how our local businesses want to support other local businesses um, that they sure. look, you know, they try to look within Warren County as much as they can. So I think that's great. Now, if it weren't for you, I would have never known that Chaney's makes their galaxy pie for Mariah's. I knew there had to be some good reason that I mentioned both of them. So, <laughs> <laughs> anyway. All right, that's the, that, that is a great dessert right there, some galaxy pie. 
Yeah, you've got to make that part of your meal at Mariah's, no doubt. Now, I was asking Beth before we got started if this was her first podcast, and she said it was, but her coworker, the marketing director there at uh, BGACBB, she was on another podcast that's linked to um, another unique tourist attraction down there in Bowling Green. Isn't that right, Beth? Yes, my coworker Marissa Butler a couple of years ago was on a podcast called Halloween Unmasked that was on the Ringer Network. And it came out in celebration of Halloween uh, coming out in 2018, the 40th anniversary of Halloween. Now, why that's significant to Bowling Green is because the filmmaker John Carpenter actually grew up here. Um, his dad was a professor at WKU, and so uh, John moved here as a, as a child and lived here through much of his adolescence and went to WKU for a couple of years before transferring to the University of Southern California. So we have a really cool real sites, real scary, and that's R-E-E-L sites, R-E-A-L scary, self-guided driving tour you can do um, that highlights some of the spots that um, that John uh, Carpenter visited, like he regularly saw movies at the Capitol Theater in downtown Bowling Green. Um, but also, in uh, particularly in Halloween and The Fog, two of his early films, there are references to uh, places in Warren County, even though the, mil- the movies themselves didn't take place in Bowling Green. But like the Smith Grove Sanitarium in Halloween, well, Smith's Grove, Kentucky is um, a small city in Warren County. So, right. um, you know, so and the driving tour is really cool, too, is if you go to all of the sites on the tour, which you can find on our website, visit bgky.com or in our app, visit Bowling Green. Mm-hmm. Um, if you visit all the sites and take a picture and tag us on Instagram, we have a T-shirt that we give away with that. Um, so if you're a big film buff, it's a really fun you know, tour. You can do it at your own pace. You wouldn't have to do it all in one day. Uh, but, um, you know, that, and particularly at Halloween season, that's really fun. And uh, you know, there's the, after the Halloween came out two years ago, they have two more sequels that are coming out. Um, I think it's Halloween Kills comes out this year and then Halloween ends in 2022. So, um, you know, it's always fun to, uh, during, during October to get a tie into all those uh, great horror classics that John Carpenter made. Yes, indeed. I tell you, you can uh, go trace his life as a youngster and uh, get a free t-shirt all in one. And <laughs> it's, it's definitely a great thing. Yeah, it's a really fun tour. I mean, especially if you're a movie buff, I think you'll really enjoy it. Now, John Carpenter uh, is not the only (laughs) famous selection from Bowling Green. We can't forget about Duncan Hines. Of course, there's a, there's a, we, we offer a Duncan Hines self-guided tour, uh, driving tour as well. There's a, the Duncan Hines Scenic Byway runs between uh, Warren County and up through Edmondson County and through Mammoth Cave National Park and then back down here, um, you know, up on, uh, you, you use US 31 for a lot of that drive. Right. It's absolutely stunning. I do think a lot of people don't realize that Duncan Hines was a real person, unlike brand names like Betty Crocker. Um, Duncan Hines is kind of the original foodie. He wrote, a, he wrote travel guides in the, you know, the 30s through the 50s. And also he used to, um, you know, he, he had a, his name on a lot more products than just like cake mixes back in the 50s, 60s, 70s. He even had like an ice cream at one point. So, um, and there's also a great exhibit about Duncan Hines at the Kentucky Museum, which is on campus at WKU. And the, I think, believe the Kentucky Museum is reopening in February. Isn't that something? Yeah, I, I know um, we came across uh, another exhibit of his in the um, Augustine Alumni Building, which is fairly oh, yes. new. I think that opened yeah. two, three years ago on Western's campus. But anyway, yeah. Yeah, yeah so there's some interesting history there also. And then, of course, we also have some great music history with uh, the rap group Nappy Roots is from uh, Bowling Green or had some origination here. Um, Cage the Elephant, um, 
Sam Bush, the father of Newgrass music. So it's a, uh, we have, we were pretty proud of our musical heritage in Bowling Green. But of course, Kentucky, just across the state, has just phenomenal music heritage. Oh, sure, definitely. And um, a little useless nugget here. Uh, Beth, do you ever watch the show Cash Cab? I have, yes. Yeah, that uh, their host was born here. Yeah, Ben Bailey. He was born in Bowling Green. I don't think he lived there very long, but <laughs> I guess the yeah. city of Bowling Green can still claim him. Since you know, I, you know, I, I think that's, I think he claims us. So as long as he claims us, I'm glad to claim him too. There you go. Works both ways, doesn't it? <laughs> it does. Absolutely. Well, Beth, you've been a blast. We've sure enjoyed having you. Now, before I let you go, in 30 seconds or less, why don't you give us your best sales pitch for the city of Bowling Green as a truly unique and festive vacation destination close to home. Go. Sure. From caves to Corvettes, you'll delight in experiencing a family-friendly, affordable atmosphere where the hospitality industry is incredibly welcoming. Uh, visit Bowling Green this year and see why we're geared for fun. There you go. See, <laughs> you kind of sounded like an auctioneer there for a second. I, I know. <laughs> I come from a family of auctioneers. My uh, my grandpa owned uh, more auction realty, and then dad did some auctioning for him. So I know what auctioneers are supposed to sound like. But uh, <laughs> well, yeah, you're you're actually one of the few people that have actually kept that under thirty seconds. So that's uh, <laughs> I had instructions, and so I did my best. And I, you know, I, I'm hoping if the last half an hour, forty minutes, can convince you to come, I just don't know what will because it's just a phenomenal place to visit. I mean. You know, we were starting to see more people wanting to have, you know, bachelor or bachelorette parties here because it's less expensive than bigger cities. Um, there's some great golf courses here if you're doing like a, a guys or a ladies weekend. Um, and of course, it's just so much fun for families. So, I mean, you're, and if, especially for WKU alumni, if you haven't been here in the last 15 years, you know, you graduated, you know, before then, it's great to come back and visit and just see how much the city has evolved and, yeah. Um, I mean, it just continues to evolve. It's really, it's a phenomenal place to visit and to live. And I think that's what's great too, is any place, I feel like when you're a great place to live, you're a great place for visitors. And they're, they're going to have a good time when they come here, whether they want to just be here for a day or for uh, several nights. And some of them may end up living there. So, you know. Exactly, like me. There's a plenty of people who came to WKU and then came back uh, because they love the city. Absolutely. And we can't forget about the Hot Rods, the single-A baseball team. I know. Well, and what's really exciting is that they just got, um, you know, Tampa Bay, they're, they're an affiliate of Tampa, the Tampa Bay Rays who uh, um, were in the World Series last year. Um, and they've had a great ball club, so we're really excited that the Hot Rods, that, that, the, um, that um, Tampa Bay extended an invitation to continue that relationship. And I think they've actually – it's like they're they're up one more affiliate than from where they initially were. So we're really excited for the Hot Rods. Um, it's a great minor league baseball, phenomenal stadium, and they also are great just community members. Um, they do great events throughout the year. Um, the you know various organizations host their walks there. Um, so the, I mean, not only the Hot Rods a fun baseball team to watch, but that clubhouse, that front office staff just does a great job too on being great community members. Yes, and you're right. They're high single A instead of low single A. So they're yeah. So we're. I mean, they're. I think there were like nine or ten Hot Rods on the Tampa Bay roster during the World Series. I mean, that's that the, they have just done really well um, in Bowling Green. So we're. We're glad, we're glad to have them here and so glad that Tampa Bay extended that invitation again. See, so I'm sure a lot of people in Bowling Green became uh, Rays fans, at least during that World Series. So, well, I know. I was going for them. Were you? Yeah, I, I can't hold that against you <laughs> being right there in Bowling Green. 
I'm yeah, sorry. Go ahead. I mean, Oh, I was just say they're just a fun team to watch, and it's a it's a beautiful stadium. They do fireworks on Fridays after games, which actually Beach Bend does that too. They do firework Fridays, so um, there's always something fun going on here. Yes, indeed, and uh, the, those games have a little something for everybody to enjoy with all of their um, between inning entertainment and um, special things that they do, and so. Cool. And and they also now have a ball dog named Turbo. So um, Turbo. he's uh, yeah he. He didn't get to make his debut last year because, um, you know, the minor league baseball season did get canceled, unfortunately. But uh, you can follow Turbo on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, uh, he's going to be just a great addition to their roster. We're really excited about Turbo, too. See, so Turbo is worth a trip to the park in and of himself. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, and then you're going to see some great, just some top-notch baseball. So you're going to have a great, you're going to have a great day at the ballpark. Absolutely. Well, Beth, you've been a blast. And folks, remember to visit visit bgky.com on the, the web. You can also find them at uh, Visit BGKY on Facebook and YouTube and their Twitter handle. Actually, no. We are at, we're at Visit BGKY on all the platforms, really. Uh, we're on Pinterest as well. And then we also have a great app that's just, you, when you search for it in the App Store or Google Play, it's called Visit Bowling Green. Um, and we have some great itineraries on there. You can see our events calendar. Um, so if you're going to be down in Bowling Green quite a bit, it's a great uh, resource, too. Beth, you've been awesome. We've sure enjoyed hearing about Bowling Green. I've learned some things, even though I spent six years there. And uh, we look forward to having you back with us again sometime. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for the time. And just, you know, anybody who needs more information about Bowling Green, just look us up at visitbgky.com, and we're glad to help you out. Sure, you can visit, um, you can email Beth too. It's Beth at visitbgky.com and you can cut right to the source there. Well, um, exactly. I'm glad to help. <laughs> well, Beth, hopefully this won't be your last podcast. <laughs> I hope not. I really enjoyed this. I appreciate the time and the opportunity to talk about Bowling Green and all we have to offer here. I've enjoyed it too, dear. You rock. Well, thank you. Thank you for the time today. I hope you have a great rest of your week. Boy, she and I talked over 45 minutes and we could have talked another 45. And the thing is, it felt like about five minutes. It went by so fast, and Bowling Green just has so much to offer for everybody. It's a great place to go to school, a great place to go to work, and most certainly a great place to visit. And wasn't it great having Beth Knopfsinger on the program with us today? Quite informative and entertaining she was. Now, just so you can be forewarned, if you go to Bowling Green, planning on just spending the day, that may turn into two days, it may turn into five days, it may end up a week, in which case you're going to need a motel. And the community offers plentiful, plentiful great places to rest your bones regardless of your budget or the amenities that you're after. And to find out more about this wide array of lodging options, all you got to do is head to the same website that Beth and I were just discussing a few minutes ago. Visit bgky.com. V-I-S-I-T-B-G-K-Y.com. And while you're there, you can conduct a more in-depth exploration of the many attractions that Beth and I were discussing during our time together. And you can also find contact information for Beth and all of her cohorts at the Bowling Green Area Convention and Visitors Bureau. I'll be sure to link you to their website in my show notes as well. I know they would love nothing more, nothing more than to hear from you and see you when you pay them a visit, which I encourage you to do sooner than later. Dive into the rejuvenated and exciting community that is 
Bowling Green, Kentucky. It'll be well worth your time and gas to get there. Mark my words. Now, before we wrap this puppy up for the very first episode of Blabbing in the Bluegrass in the new year, I do have the highly anticipated answer to this week's Bluegrass Brain Buster. Now, let's recap from earlier in the show. We're all familiar with the UK Wildcats' historic basketball success. They've enjoyed eight national titles, and we won't talk about the basketball team's six-game losing streak earlier this year, but we will talk about the UK Wildcat football program, which has one national title to its credit, believe it or not. Yes, I did say football. They have one national title in their history, and your question was a two-parter. First, what year did that title take place? What year was it won? And number two, who was the coach that led the UK Wildcat football team to this impressive national title? First... The year was 1950, 70 years ago. Actually, it was 69 because the uh, the title game was actually in 51, but the uh, the record books indicate that the title was uh, won in 1950, probably because it was the capper of the 1950 season. So that was the year of the University of Kentucky's one lone national football title to date. And who was their coach? The legendary Paul Bear Bryant. Paul Bear Bryant, who actually later ended up at Alabama and won several titles for the Crimson Tide. And we were lucky enough to have him here at Kentucky long enough to lead us to one title. He actually stayed here for eight years, believe it or not. I didn't think it was that long until I uh, did some verification research a few days ago. And uh, he actually stayed until 53 even though his uh, national title at Kentucky happened in 1950. There was um, the legend that in 1951, the basketball team also won the title with Adolph Rupp. And Adolph Rupp got a Cadillac, Bear Bryant got a watch, and Bear Bryant got mad and left and went to Alabama. I don't think that's exactly how it happened, but it's always been a good story that I've enjoyed hearing. So, you know, take that for what it's worth. But 1950 was the year, and Paul Bear Bryant was your coach. Folks, I sure thank you for joining me today. Again, any questions, comments, suggestions for the show, things I'm doing well, things I'm not doing that I should be, let me know about it. Bluegrassblabbing at gmail.com, B-L-U-E-G-R-A-S-S-B-L-A-B-B-I-N at gmail.com. Hit up the Facebook page, listen to previous episodes, leave comments, messages. I would love to hear from you there as well. And until next week, when we gather back here at the North Quail Motel for more big fun and excitement, keep laughing, keep smiling, and keep blabbing in the bluegrass. Because we're blabbing, blabbing in the bluegrass. There's nothing here to hide because we're saying it with pride. Just a blabbing, blabbing in the bluegrass. With knowledge of the state, you're sure to appreciate. Yes, we're blabbing, blabbing in the bluegrass. Where musicians furnish talent and great whiskey cools your palate. Just a blabbing, blabbing in the bluegrass. With a fit for every taste, precious time is not to waste.